You are listening to episode 42 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? Thanks for waiting and being patient as usual. I know these are not (laughs) consistently coming out the way that they used to. I am really trying my best. I swear I am. Um, So yeah, it's kind of like back to school time in Texas, which always gives me, um, throws me for a loop because I'm from New York. And in New York, everything starts typically after Labor Day. And um, sometimes even later than that, I remember there was one year there was like some crazy asbestos breakout in my local public school. And we didn't start until like the 20 something of September And I just remember that being like the best year of my life where I was like, woo, (laughs) no summer camp and no school. This is awesome. My mom probably hated that. Um, But (laughs) um, that's neither here nor here. Anyways, um, so yeah, back to school. It doesn't actually mean anything for us because we have a two and a half year old. But um, it does mean something for my in-laws. My mother-in-law teaches um, French at a high school here in Texas. And she was helping us quite a bit with our son over the summer. Um, and while they're not going back physically to school because of COVID, um, they are going back virtually. So she actually does have to do her job. I know we actually have to go to work. And I was thinking about it too, because like we go to the pool all the time here in our community, which is really nice. And, um, like I see the same, like three families over and over again at the pool. Like we typically go in the mornings and stuff. And I was like, how come people don't use the pool? And then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then I had like a thought where I was just like, oh, because like I go at like the most random times ever and like people in this neighborhood actually work, whereas like I do my work, you know, whenever I want to, um, which you could probably tell from this podcast, you know, I do my work whenever really I want to. Anyway, so um, without further ado, I wanted to give you um, this week's episode of Money Owners. Before we do, though, I want to delve into last week. So episode 41, there were two issues. Um, the first thing was after I re-listened to it and already posted it. I realized, and actually a listener pointed this out to me too, which I was really, it was kind of funny. Like I got the message on Twitter about it just as I was like finishing up listening to it and thinking to myself, we didn't like mention the Christian health ministries on the um, last week's podcast or three weeks ago or whenever it was. So when you check out episode 41, if you've listened to episode 42 before then, um, just know that I meant to mention those <laughs> and they were actually in my notes. And for whatever reason, I, um, I, I neglected to mention them, but they're actually a really good option for people who, let's say you run your own business uh, and your spouse also runs their own business and you want to continue to run your own business, but you don't want to spend $25,000 a year on healthcare. Um, There are a lot of different ones out there. You can just Google Christian health ministries. Um, You don't even have to be Christian. Um, I think you just have to attest that you are spiritual and that you believe in God. Um, But other than that, I don't think that they care particularly which denomination you are. I think you can even be a Jew. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I actually, we don't have, we don't, I've never used one of them, but I do have a client who has done it. Um, And you can pay, I think like the lowest I saw rate was like um, for an individual, they were paying a hundred dollars a month or something like that. Um, A family could be paying even $200 a month. There are certain stipulations though in there, like they don't cover pre-existing conditions for I think three to four years, depending on 
which one you use. And that's because basically they don't want you joining the health pool, knowing that you're about to have like, you know, a hundred thousand or $200,000 worth of expenses. Um, and so things like that were you'll act, you would actually have to pay out of pocket for that. But once you get through that introductory period of time, then they will cover pre-existing conditions. Um, so that's something to consider if you do in fact have them, um, I think also it probably depends what they do and don't cover. I mean, I, I'm not sure how much mental health or acupuncture or any of those other side things that you're doing that maybe your typical health insurer would cover. Um, that said, it might still be cheaper for you to pay those people out of pocket and then to not be paying $25,000 a year for health insurance. So as always, you got to do the math. You have to cost compare and all those things. And I hope that that is helpful in the health insurance conversation. Um, I am sure we will do another pod on health just because it is such a big deal. Um, I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> so why don't we delve into what we're going to do today, which is why are you so dysfunctional financially? I know. So exciting. So <laughs> I actually thought about this one a lot. I forget how or why this came onto my radar of something I wanted to talk about, but I think because probably because of Twitter, to be honest. So I've been a little more active on Twitter than usual. Um, Mostly because um, I didn't realize how fun it was. So it's funny when I was talking to my husband originally, and I first had my Twitter account, and I saw how active he was and how like kind of cool he was on Twitter. You know, I was like, "But you get a lot of haters sometimes," and like I really don't like getting my feelings hurt. And he was like, "No, no, no, you get used to it, you know." And like you get like you'll get more positive feedback if you're actually doing a good thing on Twitter than you know being ratioed, quote unquote, if you're not doing a good thing. And so I finally was like, okay, I'm willing to be heckled. <laughs> so if I come up with like some good tweets, then, you know, some people will heckle, but some people will really like them. And the whole point of um, Twitter and my book and all the extra things I've been doing on the side, like this podcast is so that we can get more information out there to people who need it, who want financial planning advice, but who also don't want to pay me $12,000 a year to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm all for that. Like if there are other um, mediums for me to reach people um, that don't take up more of my time than let's say something like this, then I'm all the more happy to do it because I feel like I do have a lot of wealth of information um, to give all of you. And I really appreciate the listenership and I want to make sure that you are financially successful. I think that that's the thing that I've said on this podcast over and over again is like, the point of this is so that you go home after you listen to it and then you make some changes because something I said struck a chord. Um, and then you live the most successful financial life that you've always wanted to live. And that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for everybody who is willing to really put in the time and effort to make their life what they want their life to be. And so because of that, and because of some of the responses I was getting on Twitter, I was like, there are a lot of really dysfunctional people <laughs> out there financially who don't even realize that they're dysfunctional. And I think that the, the thing that I, um, we typically think of dysfunction, we think of people who are literally incapable of doing anything, right? Um, and that's not how I'm going to use that word on this podcast. So dysfunctional to me means that you're not achieving the results that you want to have um, and that there's something holding you back from doing that. And um, even more so than that, that you are almost deliberately getting in your way um, because you don't want to change certain things or you're not willing to recognize certain things about your behavior that are taking you down the same path over and over again and not towards the place that you want to be. That's dysfunction to me. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're, you know, broken on the street and homeless, right? As you would typically think of maybe financially dysfunctional. Um, you could be very high functioning, 
making a lot of money and not feel like you're in a good place financially. Um, and nobody really has a term for you. And so when you go on the internet and you think like, how come things are holding me back? Uh, and maybe you come across like financial therapy or some of these other things and you're like, like, this isn't really speaking to me. I'm not that dysfunctional. <laughs> There's not that many things wrong with me. Why are you like trying to send me down this path where I need to like do all this mental work? Um, and maybe you don't, maybe you don't need to do all that mental work, but there is probably something in there that you do need to work on. Um, and I want you to do that. And I hope that this podcast maybe points out some of those things. So I'll just go down the list. There's a, a lot of them. Um, this list is not going to be exclusive of all of the ones that are out there. Obviously, these are kind of the big ones that come to mind, the ones that sort of stuck out at me as like things that people are really doing that they don't even realize are dysfunctional. Um <laughs> <laughs> and that um, that are really holding you back. And I hope maybe one or two of them strike a chord with you that you could really just sit down after this podcast and be like, oh, yeah, actually, I am doing that. And be honest with yourself. Um, and you don't need to share it with anybody else if that doesn't help you, or you can. Um, but the whole thing is really self-reflection. And this podcast in general is really about self-reflection. So you shouldn't be surprised. And I'm telling you that if you think you're financially dysfunctional, that you have to do some self-reflection, right? Um, <laughs> so the first one is, um, is less math, more drama. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. There's kind of no way around it. So there's a lot of that we've talked about on this podcast about living your most fulfilled life and coming up with the thing that would really make your life great and then doing those things. And then, and that's kind of the drama of our lives, right? Those are, that's like the main, um, the main storyline, let's put it that way. But the drama I'm actually talking about here is not that the drama I'm talking about is all the little things that kind of get in the way of the protagonist making it to, you know, up the mountain and achieving everything that they want to have. Um, that's the drama. And the thing is, is that the, the, there's, there's math and then there's all that drama and we kind of get in the way because the drama seems to really matter. <laughs> um, the drama is really like, the most important thing because there's circumstances going on in our lives and you feel like, Ooh, I really have to, you know, pay attention to these things, even though like the real goal is, I don't know, like, I'll just tell you what the real goal for me is, right. The real goal for me is making sure that I spend a lot of time with my family while also having a successful business. And the goal for me is balance, right? So all that little stuff in the way that gets in the way of my balance, like taking on too many clients at, at, at once, and then I can't spend time with my family or taking too much time with my family and not being able to, to service the clients that I have, right? It's not about that for me. It's about finding that, you know, finding the balance between those two things and not falling too much to one side or the other. Um, I'm not sure what it is for you. I'm just, I'm just telling you what it is for me to make my example easy. Um, but all of the little things that get in the way of that, all the little things that tilt me to one side or the other is the drama, right? Um, and the numbers at the end of the day kind of tell you what you're doing. So in this example, it would really be time that I would be tracking. But in a lot of the financial examples, right, there's, there's always something that you can spend your money on that's going to get in the way of, let's say, the financial goal that you have that you want to ultimately spend your money on. So without knowing more about you, I can't tell you what that thing is. Um, but I can tell you that at every stage of your life, there will be something for you to spend your money on. So, so let's say you're a single guy in their twenties, right? You're probably much more focused on, let's say going out with your friends, um, building your career, finding your career path, even, um, having hobbies outside of your work that you, that are really important to you. Um, uh, maybe you like spending money on, I don't know, bike racing, or you really like video games or, you're really into cryptocurrency and you spend a lot of time on Twitter. I don't know what you're doing with your time, right? I just, I just know who I'm talking to. Um, 
And you're doing that throughout your 20s, right? But then, I don't know, you're 28 and you meet like a really nice lady and you happen to really like her. And then, you know, a couple of years go by and you realize you're going to propose to her. So you were spending a lot of money on stuff in your 20s because you didn't think it was that important and maybe your income wasn't that high. And you kept thinking to yourself, oh, whatever, you know, down the road, I'll be making more money and therefore I'll be able to save, you know, a lot more money than I can right now. What does it matter what I'm saving? Um, But then you meet that nice lady and she wants a fancy expensive ring. (laughs) And so you decide to spend money on that. And maybe you even go into credit card debt or some other debt for that. Um, And then you guys get married and you spend a lot of money on your wedding. And then you guys go and have kids and you need childcare and the kid needs all sorts of stuff. And your, you know, your house is like accumulating shit. Like it's a daycare, right? I mean, I don't really know what's going on. I'm just saying in every stage in your life, right, you find things to spend money on. So maybe it didn't really seem that important to you to save in your twenties because, you know, it was really fun to go out with your friends, um, a few times a week. And maybe you're spending like a couple hundred bucks at the bar every week. Um, plus you were going out to dinner cause you don't really know how to cook. Um, and, or you're ordering in a lot. Maybe you're ordering in even breakfast and lunch cause you're working long hours at your job. Maybe you're taking a taxi home at night because uh, wherever you were, you were, you know, you were staying too late to be able to use public transportation, right? These things all add up. And if you keep thinking to yourself, well, down the road, I'll have time to save down the road. I won't have so many expenses. That's not really how it works. I wish it did work that way, but it doesn't. Um, there's no magic to financial planning. Um, and it's really kind of a simple equation. It's money in less money out equals savings. And then if you are able to then put your savings somewhere where you can have it for an emergency, then you can also take anything in excess of that and invest it according to your risk tolerance and time horizon. Right. And, that's it. (laughs) It's really kind of that simple. Um, and people come to me all the time about, you know, what, how much house can I afford? How can I get more tax deductions? Um, what kind of estate planning do I need? Yes. There's all sorts of other stuff, of course, that goes around in your financial plan. But as far as just building wealth, it's just a simple equation. It's just money coming in, less money going out equals savings, and then doing something with your savings. That's it. There's nothing else. Um, and all that other stuff definitely matters. It does. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, but if you don't have those basics down, if you're not thinking about more math and less drama instead of more drama and less math, then you're going to be financially dysfunctional. Um, and I wish that I had another way for you. I really do. If I did, I swear I would tell you, but unfortunately there's no alchemy. Um, I guess you can win the lottery, but it's unlikely. Um, sure. Maybe you can come into a windfall, but I don't know what your family looks like. I guess you can get into an accident and sue somebody and maybe get some money. Right. But like all these things, (laughs) these are all things that kind of happen on like the outliers of, of, you know, of general, usual people's lives. Um, And I wouldn't count on these things. Um, What I would count on, though, is the math. And the math is very simple. And if the the number, the expenses number is seemingly high and savings is not really very, it's not where you want it to be. It's not 20% of income um, or at least 10% of pre-tax income, right? Um, Then something else has to give. Either you need to spend less or you need to make more. Um, That's kind of it. There's no... I don't know. There's really nothing else. Or you could start selling stuff in your house, I guess. But I mean, I think that maybe your time would be better spent like actually trying to generate more income rather than selling a bunch of shit that you bought in your house. Um, So 
Yeah, I, I just I wanted to to say that. Um, and there are usually I mean, there's a lot of money scripts that kind of get you to that place where drama is more important than the math. Um, there are a lot of things that we say in our head, like, you know, you got to spend money to make money. That's a, that's a big one I hear, or, you know, money doesn't grow, grow on trees. Um, and maybe money doesn't grow on trees actually makes you spend not so much, but maybe it doesn't help you like attain the income that you want to have. And therefore you don't have a lot of savings. Um, there's FOMO, right. Of missing out that you're afraid that you're not going to get to do the things that your friends get to do, or you're not going to, you know, get to see the things that you want to see or experience the things that you want to experience. And you only live once YOLO, right? Like, yeah, I get that. But like, it's a balancing act, right? There's a, there's a need for you to, to do some of the basic financial principles now and balance that with the things that you want for your most fulfilled life. Um, that doesn't mean that, you can't have that. It just means that you need to balance them, right? It just means that you need to do both and that you need to like not let the little things along the way get in the way, get in your way. So I think that's really the main thing of why people are financially dysfunctional, but there's a bunch of other stuff. Um, so one that I, I, I actually brought up on Twitter, which people didn't totally agree with me on, is um, life isn't enjoyable because you can't stop thinking about money. Um, we, I actually use this in the context of oversaving because people who tenor, generally think about money a lot tend to be oversavers. They tend to underspend um, to their detriment. They tend to work a job that they don't like just because they need to keep saving, even though they, if they actually did the math and the numbers on it, they would realize that maybe they could take a lower paying job given their expenses. Um, when finances consume you in general, it's not a good thing. Um, I don't, I've never met anybody who, when we talk about their most fulfilled life, the first thing they say is, I wish I would think I could think about money more. <laughs> I wish I spent all of my time thinking about my money. Um, nobody says that. So, and it can go in the other direction too, right? You think about money a lot because your finances are so bad. Um, because you're in so much debt, because you're under such a wheel that you can't get out of that it's so hard for you, right? So either way, um, on either side of that, obviously, it's e it's better to be in a place where you're oversaving and you're not enjoying life when it is to be in a place and you're in debt and you're not enjoying your life because of it. Um, so I'm not going to say that, that that's not a problem. Um, but they're both bad, right? <laughs> Both situations, like money is consuming you and it's making life really difficult. Um, yeah, I would think about it if that's you. If, you. if you're in a situation where all you do is think about money and finances and what you can be doing to be in a better place, like really assess if that's what you need to be doing, right? Assess where you currently stand financially. Give yourself some time to review your net worth, review how much of your income you're saving, and um, whether or not you're investing appropriately, whether or not you have an appropriate emergency fund, all of those things, whether or not you're allocating money appropriately given your risk tolerance and time horizon. Um, I would do all of that. And if you come up with an honest answer that you're actually in a good place, then let it go. Every time you have a thought about money, let it go. Just let it go. You can just think about it as like a balloon that you're holding in your hand. And the balloon has a lot of helium in it. And as you, that thought about money comes up, you just literally open your hand and you let that balloon just rise into the clouds and you don't think about it again until it comes back, <laughs> until you get a new balloon in your hand. Um, the next thing I think I, um, I see a lot is you're lured by tax deductions um, and the tax, well, tax, maybe not necessarily deductions, but just taxes in general, having a lower tax bill makes decisions for you and it leads you into poor decisions. So 
A couple of things. Um, this came up, leasing a vehicle through your business. Um, I had a comment about how leasing is stupid, and I believe that leasing is stupid. <laughs> And I stand by that. And I actually will run some numbers on that so that people could see it uh, in a spreadsheet format. But in the meantime, um, like, basically, people lease a vehicle to write it off through their business because they want to get a better vehicle than they otherwise would if they were purchasing. I don't know necessarily if that's a business decision. I think, I guess, yeah, sure. If you have a business where you are driving people around in your car and you believe that the only reason why they're going to do business with you is because you drive a nice car, then okay, yeah, I guess that's a good business decision. But nine times out of 10, it's probably fine for you to just buy a, you know, a used vehicle with some miles on it. That's middle of the road. Um, and especially now because vehicles are so nice. I mean, literally you can get like a heated steering wheel and like a 2018, you know, Dodge Caravan at this point. I mean, it's literally just ridiculous. Like almost every car has like, you, you can link it up through Bluetooth and you can be playing whatever the hell you want on your phone in your car. Like, that's unheard of 10 years ago. <laughs> I feel like some of this stuff needs to be put into perspective. Yeah, I get that like, you're not going to be driving around a Tesla that drives itself if you go buy like a $25,000 used vehicle. But at the same time, like things that you didn't have 10 years ago that you literally couldn't buy in a car unless you spent $85,000 or more in those dollars, right, Is are things that you regularly get in cars today that are, are like considered cheap vehicles. So I think that could put it into perspective for you. Um and yeah, of course you're going to make more money if you don't spend so much in your business, right? If you have top line revenue coming in in your business and you don't have as many line items, then your net income is higher. And yes, I get, okay, well, I was going to buy a car anyways, so I might as well lease this nice Tesla. Um, at, that's not a business decision, right? That is a, that's a preference. And I think sometimes we need to be making the distinction there. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but you shouldn't necessarily say that that's a good financial decision because you're getting a tax deduction. Um, other things I see, right, are like people buy a house for a deduction, um, for the mortgage interest deduction. Mortgage interest, so the interest is so, interest rates are so low right now that it's actually mostly not worth it for people. Most people can take the standard deduction. I mean, you have to buy a pretty big house now at this point and have a pretty large mortgage to actually take the interest deduction. Um, so again, you got to do the math on these things before you just say, well, I'm getting a tax deduction. So Therefore, it's the right thing to do. Um, and you should check out, I think it was episode 38, where we did a bunch of stuff on real estate myths, um, if that's something that you're interested in. I don't want to go too much into it because we kind of already discussed that one, but um, that is definitely one that I see. Um, another one is investments, right? Um, what was it? I think it was 2012 or 2013 when um, a lot of Puerto Rican bonds blew up. <laughs> And the reason why people like Puerto Rican bonds is because they're triple tax free. So um, basically you could buy them. You didn't pay federal tax. You didn't pay state tax. You didn't pay local taxes, right? It was great. Um, except that you they were a lower credit risk, but um, they were artificially considered not a low credit risk. Um, and also the interest rates on these were artificially lower than they otherwise would have been because people were putting money into them so they wouldn't have to pay taxes on the interest. Uh, and then they blew up, right? And then, um, I mean, I think in... I don't think in 2013 it was as bad as it was in future years, but I think some of them went to like literally 11 or, tw or 12 cents on the dollar. Like some of them really, really went to hell. Um, and if you're a fixed income investor and you have like a few of those in your portfolio, I mean, that literally tanks your portfolio. You might as well buy stocks if that's what you're going to do. So I feel like we need to stop making investment decisions based on taxes. Um, we need to stop making investment decisions based on 
what, like how much of a gain or a loss we have in the company, um, or in the mutual fund or ETF or whatever it is that you hold, um, capital gains taxes really, really influence people in their investment decisions. And sometimes you need to rebalance, right? Sometimes you need to really consider what you're, what you're owning and whether or not it's outside your risk tolerance, regardless of taxes. And then you need to be looking at it rather than looking at it as a tax bill, be looking at it as an after tax return, because if you're looking at it as an after tax return, it makes more sense. When you're looking at it as a dollar amount, dollar amounts like mean a lot of different things to different people, right? A three thousand dollar tax bill might mean something very different to someone who makes, you know, very not that much income versus somebody who, you know, makes seven hundred grand a year. Three thousand dollar tax bill is nothing, right? So these things need to be put into perspective. Um, from, I mean, I guess you can look at it as a percentage of net worth, but I really like to look at it as a percentage of um, of your return. How much is my return lowered by me paying taxes right now on this investment? Um, and is it worth it to me to reallocate my portfolio because of X, Y, and Z reason, right? Maybe you're looking to buy a house in the next two to three years, and that's the reason why you're reallocating your portfolio. Um, yeah, it makes sense to pay taxes, right? So that you make sure you have that down payment in two to three years. <laughs> if you don't do it in the market tanks, right, you might not be able to buy the house that you want to have. So um, these are things that need to be considered outside of taxes. Um, so yeah, I hate to see people being like, lured into poor decisions because of taxes. Um, and I think CPAs are guilty of this. So I all love in the world to the CPAs out there who do a really hard job helping people with their taxes. However, you guys tend to be really cash flow focused and, and transactional focused and don't look at it from the big picture. And you're always trying to save your clients money on taxes, which is great. I want you to save my clients money on taxes, but I also want you to look at the big picture because when you tell my client that they can take a deduction, they get really excited about that because they really want to take that deduction and pay less taxes, but it might not actually make sense for them financially. And so when you're considering your own position, you need to consider everything in your financial position, not just the little line items that might save you a couple hundred bucks here and there. Okay. Um, other things. You hide expenses from your spouse. <laughs> Don't do that. Stop hiding expenses from your spouse. We did a whole thing. Gosh, I think I'm like mixing the numbers up. Sorry about that, guys. I think it was 38, and I just told you to listen to 38 about um, real estate myths, but um, about being on the same page as your spouse and stop fighting with your spouse about money. Um, hiding expenses from your spouse is a very dysfunctional thing to do and will probably make you feel guilty and not good about your finances no matter what situation that they're in. Be honest. You love your spouse. You're on the same team. Do not hide expenses from your spouse. Okay? Period. Don't do that. <laughs> um this one sort of ties into the tax deduction one. Um, you only look at your finances from a cash flow perspective rather than a total picture. So what do I mean by that? I mean that you're only looking at what's coming in and what's going out and not all the assets you have on your balance sheet. So um, when companies have, um, they do financial reporting, right? They have a statement, uh, they have their income statement, they have their balance sheet, and they have their statement of cash flows. And all three of those things are their total financial picture. So while you might not have a statement of cash flows and probably don't need that, you do have an income statement, which is the money that's coming in and the money that's going out in the form of taxes and expenses and savings, right? And then you also have your balance sheet, which actually has all of your assets on it. That's your net worth. Um, you need to consider both your net worth and your income statement when you're making financial decisions. So what I hate to see people do is they're worried, let's say, about income, so they start cutting expenses, Um 
but they do it in a way that doesn't make any sense. So like, for instance, right now, um, interest rates are really low. So it doesn't make sense. Let's say if you're worried about income in 2021 to pay off a bunch of your mortgage right now, um, especially if you have assets on your balance sheet. And that's one of the things that you can do with your assets on your balance sheet, Com- right? Like interest rates are so low. Maybe it makes sense just to use, if you're worried about 2021 income, first of all, you don't know whether or not it's going to pan out to be what you think it's going to be. And second of all, if it does, if you do have lower income in 2021, why not just use some of the assets on your balance sheet to pay off that debt because you you have it and it's there for you. And that's what it's like, you know, that's probably what makes the most financial sense given where interest rates are right now. So you have to look at your finances from a total picture rather than being really focused on one thing or another. So same thing with like with the tax deductions, right? Instead of being really focused on tax, look at your total financial picture. Instead of being really focused on your investments, be focused on the total picture, right? It doesn't matter if you are putting money into investments. If you're not saving enough money, you're never going to have enough money, right? Like if you're not, if you're not worried about the basic equation of income minus expenses equals savings, right? If you're not saving enough money, it doesn't matter that you put $100 a month into, you know, I don't know, whatever you decided to invest in. Um, it's not enough. <laughs> it's, you have to be worried about all all the facets and be looking at them all together. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like people get hyper-focused on super, on like s- specific topics within financial planning, and then they don't look at the total picture. And the total picture is what matters because the total picture at the end of the day is your financial health. It's not these little aspects of personal finance. It's everything. Okay. Another thing, which we talked about actually, I think it was episode eight, it's called, that I called Morganizing, um, is you let paper pile up. You get these bills in the mail and there's just bills, 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 bills all over your desk and you let them pile up. And I am here to tell you that you need to stop doing that. <laughs> okay. The first thing is people always say, oh, well, I can automate everything. Okay, great. You can, but you also can't, right? There's certain things that just come in the mail. So for instance, like I had to get some blood work done and our insurance covered $160 of it, but it was $163.13. So I had to go pay a $3.13 bill. And do you know where that bill came? It came in the mail. It didn't show up on, you know, my online banking software and directly deduct from my account. Okay. So I feel like I hear these people all the time being like, oh, what paper? I don't have any paper. Yeah, you do. You have paper all the damn time. <laughs> you got little things that come into your house. And then you know what? Because you don't want to deal with them, you let them stack up on your desk. Um, and I'm guilty of this too. That's why I have something called the Sunday basket, um, which I actually tend to do on Thursdays, uh, where I just go through all the stuff that's piled up on my desk and I take care of it every week. And then I don't really worry about it. Um, and I actually tend to push things off. So for instance, that's $3.13 bill, not really super worried about that. Actually, don't really want to even take 15 minutes out of my day to go pay that. I'm probably going to wait until I get a second notice on that one. <laughs> I know coming from a financial planner, that's like totally crazy, but they're not going to send me to collections if I pay it between days 30 and 60. Right. So, I mean, just like, I think you got to like keep, you know, keep in mind what is important, what's not take care of the things that are urgent. If you have a place where you put these things and you know, you have a day every single week that you evaluate everything in that pile, then nothing's going to fall through the cracks. And I highly recommend that you do that because if you do that, then you don't worry about this, this stuff throughout the rest of the week. Um, because the last thing I want to see is that life isn't enjoyable because all you're thinking about are your bills or your money or everything else, right? If you know that you won't, that you deal with random stupid stuff that comes onto your desk on Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. every week, then are you really going to worry about $3.13 from Friday to Wednesday? No, you're not going to worry about that at all. That's what I want for you. All right. 
Um, and the last couple of things are your big picture is hazy. So this is actually, I mean, maybe probably the first thing that we should have started with, but I kind of wanted to end on this one. Um, if you don't really know what you want from your life and you're not really sure where you're going, what's important to you and why you're doing it, then it's going to be really difficult for you to make financial decisions. And not only is it going to be really difficult for you to make financial decisions, but you're going to have very low motivation to make these financial decisions because you don't know why you're making them. So it's really easy for me to say, save 20% of your pre-tax income, right? But you might not be able to do that because you don't know why you're doing that. And maybe retirement's not that important to you, or maybe, you know, you don't, you haven't really thought about any of the other goals that you might have down the road. Um, and you haven't really thought about what your life would look like when you had savings. Um, and you haven't really thought about even what you want your look, life to look like right now, right? Answering the big questions, it's, it's just good all around. It helps you with planning. It helps you with motivation. It helps you stay motivated because when you remind yourself of that thing that's so important to you, all of that other stuff falls to the wayside and you're able to stay on the path. And the path is what's more, most important for you. The path is what's going to get you from point A to point B. And it doesn't have to be the straight line. It doesn't have to be a curve. Like it could be whatever path you want it to be, right? There are many ways for you to get from point A to point B. But if you don't know what point B is, you're never going to get there, right? <laughs> and maybe you're one of those people who thinks, oh, I don't need a point B. I'm just going to like, you know, ride through life without a seat in my pants. Okay, fine. But I've seen that in my practice. I have clients who they feel directionless and when they feel directionless, they don't do anything. Um, and they feel hamstrung by their own inability to make decisions about what they really want from their life. And it isn't until they get clarity on what it is that they want to do that all of a sudden they have a purpose, they have a drive, they have a motivation to get themselves to go where they want to go. Um, and I really want that for you. Um, I think that there's no way for you to have to feel really good about your finances and not feel dysfunctional if you don't have that because you don't have that energy getting you there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you got to think about it, man. <laughs> and don't lose hope while you're doing it. Um, I got you. We're here. Money Owners is going to try to put out as many podcasts as possible. My book's coming out in, um, in September as of now. And um, you can find me on Twitter at any time, Morgan with an E, uh, Rochard or at money underscore owners. If you have a question or something, I'm happy to help you. Um, if it's involved, I'll probably make you schedule an appointment with me. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go through this big picture planning, that is something I offer through money owners. Check out our website, moneyowners.com. Go see our pricing. We have different pricing for singles and couples um, to go through the life planning process, which is what I'm talking about right now that will really get the fire burning in your belly to get what you want done in your financial life. Um, the process works. I've seen it work time and time again. And I've seen people who really don't know what they want really go and get what they want. Um, and so I'll leave you on that note. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you have any topics you want to hear, you should let me know because otherwise I'm just going to keep talking about what I want to talk about. Um, I did get a comment about monetary theory. So um, Pure is actually going to come on for that one. I'm not a monetary theory expert, so you don't really want to hear from me. You want to hear from the big dogs on that kind of stuff. So send in some questions on that. I'm putting together some questions. I'm not sure if it's going to be next episode or two episodes or three episodes from now. Um, but in the meantime, if you have other stuff you want to hear, let me know. And I will talk to y'all in hopefully two weeks, but possibly three. Okay, bye.